privilege is all around you. It shows up in your clothes, where you live, the places you frequent, your network capital, and even how you spend your money. It's useless until you recognize it. So it's time to stop feeling guilty and figure out how to use your privilege to make an impact. Welcome to Guilty Privilege. Welcome back to Guilty Privilege. My name is Amber Cabral, and today I have the privilege of speaking to Amanda Miller-Littlejohn, who is my personal coach, but also an executive coach, brand strategist, and writer who shares with us an exclusive framework for rest, some tips around burnout, and this is super important, y'all, how we get some visibility for our brands to reduce inequity. Tune in. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Amber. I am so happy to have you. Not happier than I am to be had. <laughs> okay. So listen, you pointed out something when we were getting ready that this is the first time that I have interviewed you. Yes. And what's funny about that is that you interview me all the time. All the time. <laughs> all the time. Because we work together, so you interview me so that, you know, you can get information. But also, like, when we do things together, you're usually interviewing me. Mm -hmm. How does it feel to be on the other side? It's, it's a little different. Mm -hmm. It's exciting. I'm thrilled to see where this goes and mm -hmm. what you ask and how it flows. Yeah. Well, I want to start out first with what I think you do really well for me and I think what you're known for. So you're really good at seeing other folks' skills, like their unique talents, like things that they may not have identified on their own. When did you realize that that was something that you're good at, that you could see something in other folks that they didn't necessarily see in themselves? I think I first noticed it in college when um, a friend of mine, I was working at a coffee shop and a friend of mine was trying to get this like clothing line off the ground. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I need a publicist. And I didn't even know what that was, mm -hmm. but he asked me to help write his bio. Mm -hmm. And I remember writing the bio in a way that it just kind of made him say, wow, that's me. And that happened a few other times with people, especially when I was helping them kind of craft that narrative around what they did and who they were in the world. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I had a gift of seeing um, how you were showing up, but more, more so even how you could potentially spread your impact mm -hmm. and how the world received you in a way that when I captured it in words, it was mirroring to that person who they really were. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I'm imagining that you knew it was special because of the way people reacted. Basically. Because I, I I feel like <laughs> most people assume that when they get a bio back or something you know, about themselves, they're going to go, of course. <laughs> like, yeah, this is right. No, change this. But I'm, I'm assuming, because I've had the experience with mm -hmm. you, that you go back and read it or, or the person who receives it reads it and goes, really? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And that kind of probably let you know, okay, maybe this is something different. Mm -hmm. So the thing about what you do that I think is so great is that you take what people are uniquely gifted at and then you help them see how to use it and tell their story. So I think there's an amazing gift for people who are great at storytelling. And I think that's something that you're awesome at, but it's a little different in your case because you're helping people tell stories about themselves that they might not even know they have. Can you help me kind of understand, this is me asking for the secret sauce a little bit, but can you help me kind of understand like how you have helped people to 
tell a story with something that they barely even knew about themselves and how that's helped to open doors for them? Well, I think when I look at someone and I hear their story, because keep in mind, I'm a former journalist. Mm -hmm. So my whole approach is to interview you, to listen deeply and to hear all the things that you're saying that that maybe you are aware of. And then kind of hearing the story and that undercurrent that's flowing beneath that you may not be aware of. Um, so I think when you when you think about it, most people they don't have access, number one, to mm. their own story, like told over, you know, the span of a few hours. Like most people don't get a chance to sit down and tell, <laughs> tell you about their entire life or their right. entire career. Like it's right. a very rare experience. So that's number one. But number two, most people don't spend every day <laughs> listening yes. to other people tell those stories. So like right. they don't realize that so many of the experiences that we have feel very unique to us because mm. we're kind of operating in isolation. Like we're not talking about these experiences at length, mm -hmm. but there are a lot of themes, common threads. And so when people start telling me, I almost can like complete the sentence. Oh yeah. And so then you did this, right? Right. And they're like, wait, what? Right, right, right. I'm like, oh, you're on the XYZ journey. Yeah. Right. And they're like, what? Yeah. So a lot of times I think we are, um, we're living our lives. We all have stories, mm -hmm. but there are commonalities mm -hmm. um, and almost like genres right. in the stories that we all have. Right. So what I guess my next question would be probably ties a little bit into what you're talking about because people being able to tell their stories creates access. Like it, it helps folks to open doors. So how, in addition to the access element, do you think that folks having control and command and a better understanding of their own stories and themes help to address inequity? Well, one of the things that I notice, especially with um, the people that I work with, mm -hmm. which generally those are high achievers of color, mm -hmm. mostly women, but I do work with a handful of men as well. Mm -hmm. But what I've found over the course of this journey doing this work is so many of our thinkers and experts have kind of been conditioned to not toot their own horns, mm -hmm. um, not think too highly of themselves, not brag, not boast. And what ends up happening is they adopt this extremely um, diminished characterization of their skills and talents mm. and experiences. They uh, leave out details. Mm -hmm. They diminish their accomplishments. Mm. It's um, and it's if I had only seen it one time, yeah. maybe I would think, oh, OK, but it's routinely across the board. That's what we're doing. And when we don't show up and tell that full narrative of who we are and what we can do and what we've done, we really take ourselves out of the running for the types of opportunities that we are capable of attracting. Yeah. No visibility. Yeah. yeah. Or even to have the visibility, but people think you are here when you're mm. really here, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of almost worse. Yeah. Because people aren't getting the fullness of what you can do. So it's, Absolutely. they're hiring you for a tenth of your skill. But, right? and then also when you continue to get kind of affirmed at that lower level, yeah. you start to think that oh, that's wow. where you really are. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about authenticity. I, I think... Um, 
one of the things that can be really difficult for people thinking about their brand and their identity is how do I make sure it feels like it's me? Mm-hmm. And especially in the world today where like kind of the thing is my brand and my image, how do folks get to the authenticity? How do, how do we make sure that that is coming through? Hey there. If you're listening and finding value in today's episode and want to add a couple tools to your toolbox, I've written a couple books that you might find useful. My first book, Allies and Advocates, is to help you be able to show up as an ally or an advocate and to help create a more inclusive and equitable culture, whether that's in your own life or in the workplace. My second book is a little different. It's called Say More About That. What Say More About That does is help you to push back, advocate, and actually challenge. It gives you tips, tools, and language to help you navigate difficult discussions, whether that's in your personal space or your workspaces. So if either of these tools sound like they might be useful for you, you can scroll down into the show notes and click the link and get your own copy of either Allies and Advocates or Say More About That. Back to today's episode. You know, that's so funny. I don't really struggle with authenticity. You do not. Because (laughs) I have been in deep communion with myself Mm -hmm. for years. (laughs) And I think that the more you have a practice where you are kind of connecting with yourself, whether that is, you know, your your exercise practice. For me, it's journaling and music and walks in the forest. Um, it's hard to to not know yourself when you're when you're that in touch. Mm-hmm. But for people who are trying to figure out what is my authentic way of showing up, you can think about some of the things that only you do yeah. and things that you've been doing in this same way for years and years and years, mm-hmm. even especially since childhood. Like right. I've been drinking coffee since you <laughs> since were a little childhood. girl. Yes. Like <laughs> I'm ashamed to admit my toddler drinks coffee. Like she likes coffee. You are not ashamed. You're a little proud. A little bit. Yeah. She has great taste. Like she knows a good cup of coffee when she tastes it. But um, yeah, like getting back to the things that were you before Mm -hmm. the world told told you who you were. Right. So getting back to those things, spending time with yourself and really, as you've heard me mention a million times, like following your energy. That's one of those things that only you can um can access right like you might say well what do people think about me what do people like about me mm-hmm. what do people know about me other people can answer that but only you can answer what mm-hmm. energizes you mm-hmm. what gets you excited what makes you angry mm-hmm. what makes you sad mm-hmm. and so really getting in touch with like the answers to those questions which is you know how we yes. <laughs> love to conduct our sessions yes. it's like i love figuring out like what you are mad, mad about <laughs> Yes. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, why why is it that you poke at what makes me mad? Like, I'd love for you to elaborate on that a bit, because I think I think people often mistake anger or frustration for something that we should avoid rather Mm -hmm. than seeing the value in that emotion. Can you share a little bit more about it? Well, especially when I tap into your anger, Mm -hmm. I'm really trying to plug into what's frustrating to you so much that you are feeling a physical response about Mm it. And, you know, you want to change it. Mm -hmm. That's typically where your great advice, your great solutions, those golden nuggets um, exist in your anger. Mm So one of the things that I love about our conversations is that you are always listening in a way that I 
am unaware of. I, and I'm going to try to explain what I mean by that. We will be having what I think is a very casual conversation and the pen comes out <laughs> and then you're just kind of jotting away. First and of all, the pen is always listen, out. There's, there are a slew of pins, the if pins we're being honest. are always so, out. Right. And so I, I, I've, I've watched you where, you know, there are moments where we would be having a conversation and then we're having eye contact and then the head goes down and you're in, you know, the mode. I go elsewhere. <laughs> right. You're in the mode and, you know, you are still listening and still responding, but also being very deliberate about what you capture. What, what I want to get to with that, because for me, I don't capture that way, right? Mm -hmm. When I capture notes, I'm more of a word or two and that'll take me back to what I thought I wanted to remember because I'm usually capturing, okay, what do I want to remind myself? But you are literally saying, ooh, that's good. This is a story. We can blow this out. Like you, your brain is doing this like amazing, I don't know, root system thing, right? <laughs> and so what I want to ask you is, you know, kind of how, how can someone tap into that? Like, you know, not necessarily... Um, you know, how can they do what you're doing necessarily, but how can I, when I am listening to someone really listen for like the meat, the stuff that's like, oh, I heard a, 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 a bit of passion there. I, I recognize this is something I should drill into. Like, because I think it would make our conversation so much richer because we always have rich conversations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what is the, what would be maybe a piece of advice that you could give someone who wants to be better at either hearing that in others in their conversations or being able to see it in themselves? Wow, the hearing piece. I guess if you read a lot and mm. listen to a lot of good um, communication, whether it's great podcasts mm -hmm. or you know, you read good writing from a variety of sources yeah. and you just hear how um, language is used playfully and beautifully and lyrically, you know good stuff when you when you hear it, yeah. right? So it's yeah. kind of like that. It's like you and, your, yourself. and champagne, you oh, know, listen. you know. <laughs> I know a good glass. You know a good glass I when do. you taste it. That's right. And that's just from getting your reps in and, and sampling lots of different things. Mm. But I would also say for people who are listening, follow your energy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when you're talking, I'll hear that nugget, that phrase that's like, oh, that's good. That's gold. Like that is yes. the thing yes. that the whole, that, that's it. And then yes. I'm like, we're done. And then I'm like, well, what did I say? Like, what was it? And I, like, don't, I don't know that I that. hear that the same way. Yeah. And then you come back with all this information. And listen, I just want to tell y'all, Amanda is expensive. <laughs> Let me just tell you that. But <laughs> she is very, very good. Um, so let's tap into the intuition piece just a bit. I love that you encourage leaning into um, how you feel, what your energy's saying, what your intuition, what your gut's giving. You're also very deliberate about curating your space and being intentional about how that perhaps impacts, you know, the exchange that you're having with someone as well. Can you share a bit more about that? And, you know, I know you really well, so I'm hoping that you'll share a couple of, you know, nice practices, but... <laughs> You know, what are some of the things that you do to make sure that you're in the position to have the kind of energy that is going mm -hmm. to help you show up the best for the clients you're engaging with for whatever, for the podcast you're going to be on? Mm -hmm. What does what is getting into that energetic place mean for you? And it's so great that you asked me this question now, because I was doing this little thought experiment Um a while ago, maybe like a month ago. First of all, a thought experiment, <laughs> Just folks. <I> listen. <laughs> okay. Um, and I was like, if I had to 
pack up everything and go to a deserted island and be there for the rest of my life? Like, what would I need to feel like myself? Mm. Like what, like bare bones, you know, like what could I just not be on this island without? Coffee. You know, that's so, so I was like, <laughs> I need five things. Number one, <laughs> coffee, yes. but not just coffee, good, good coffee, coffee, like a specific bean, mm-hmm. you know, Sumatra Gaia. That's my, my new, I don't want to be on this earth if that bean is not <laughs> on this earth as well. So it was coffee. Um, music, you know, mm-hmm. give me some Glasper in there, yes. journaling, writing, yes. like, you know, tools so that I can write and explore nature. Mm-hmm. And why am I blanking on my last one? That's okay. I mean, it's a desert island. So. The desert island. Yeah. Oh, connection, friendship. That's mm. That was the last one. So you're going to yes. take somebody with you to the desert island. Um, or at least you I need guess a phone. I guess I need some <laughs> kind of way to get friendship and connection. Mm-hmm. Those are my five things that make me feel most alive and like myself. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that if I can incorporate each of those five things into a day, I'm calibrated. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, you don't get everything every day, but you might at least get it once a week or a couple times a week. Right. And so I found that for me, starting my day with um, as many of those pieces mm. as I can I really sets me up for success. So I start my day generally with journaling. I have a playlist called prayer and meditation that is just divine. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I make a beautiful cup of coffee mm-hmm. and, um, if possible, I might sit outside and listen to the birds singing while I do all of this, it depends. Or I sit near a window where I yes. can see trees right. and listen to the birds. Right, right. You, I just knew we were going to get a nice walk through the forest. And oh, yeah. Answer. So I don't always get to do the forest walk because yeah. you have to like get to the forest. Yes, but if I can at least see a tree. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that makes me happy. Yes, exactly. And happy is important, um, especially as we're thinking about equity, right? We, mm. we often think when things are equitable, I will have more joy, right? When yeah. I feel like I... You know, I'm having experiencing more access in my life. I will be more joyful, so that's super important. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, burnout, which mm. is kind of the opposite of this wonderful trip to the desert island that you've taken <laughs> us on. I know that you've written a few articles about burnout. Um, I also know that you work with high achievers, so you've seen it in others, but you also experienced it yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, I would love for you to talk about burnout, but I want to share why I think it's important because. Doing the work of equity, doing the work of uncovering your privilege and recognizing, you know, the best way to show up as an ally and figuring out how to create a sense of belonging and being thoughtful about identities. I mean, the last few years could probably feel like a lot. Right. And I, I think I encounter enough of my coaching clients who would say that they're experiencing burnout. So I resonated a lot from watching others, my own experiences, and then, of course, being your friend that burnout is showing up. So I would love to just hear some of the things that you discussed and shared about burnout. Mm -hmm. Um, And we can kind of bat that around a bit. Hey, I hope you're enjoying today's episode of Guilty Privilege. My name is Amber Cabral, and I wanted to share with you that I actually do this for a living. So if you're interested in coaching or training or workshops, or even a conversation like this one, you can reach out to me and my team by going to cabralco.com. That website link is in the show notes and we can work with you to create an experience to bring conversations that are sometimes difficult to have to your workplace or to your team. Now back to the show. So I noticed just talking to a lot of my clients that we were all exhausted, but 
for black women, there was this added component, this mm -hmm. added layer of exhaustion. And we've been talking about how so many of us have been groomed to achieve and overachieve mm -hmm. and, you know, work twice as hard and your hard work is the key to everything. And I think that during the pandemic, we were really forced to examine that and yeah. see how on top of everything else that we're dealing with, it's just too much. And so a lot of us begin to just think about how am I evaluating myself and my worth outside of the work and the labor that I produce? Right. Because historically, <laughs> that has been the measure of you know my ancestors' value right. as human beings. And so... Um, Many of us have had to wrestle with that a bit. And you know me, mm -hmm. I'm going to find a framework. Yes. <laughs> yes. My I'm next gonna question was going to be, how are you navigating things differently? So tell me about the framework for navigating burnout. So I talked to you. Are you going to publish it, though? Because I feel like you should also publish it. But this, go well, ahead. it's a it's a part of my purpose scaping framework, the seasonal framework where you can really apply the principles of seasons in nature to basically any aspect of your life that mm -hmm. you want to nurture, grow, improve. Yes. Right. And so when we think about winter, mm -hmm. so many people ignore winter as a season. Like if we think of the framework of purpose giving, it's like spring, we're figuring out what we want to do. Summer, mm -hmm. we're making it grow. Fall, we're going to harvest her great work and figure out what it all means and make money. Right. But then there's another season and that it's season winter. is winter and right. it's a time to renew and it's a time to rest. And so um, a few of the things that you can do to really lean into winter that I found and basically what I did when I experienced burnout, I, number one, had to reclaim my self-care. Mm -hmm. um, you and I have talked about yes. that at length, mm -hmm. you know. I'm guilty of putting myself absolutely last. Yes. And with so many people in my life that I'm responsible for. In your home. In my home. Yes. Not to mention outside of my home. Right. It's just, you know, you can spend a day serving everyone but yourself. And mm -hmm. I'm talking about basic, basic stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, did I brush my teeth? Right, <laughs> you know? right. Um, and so reclaiming my self-care, like making that non-negotiable reclaiming my connection to the planet. Mm. So, you know, I realized that for me and for most people, nature is is restorative. You kind of have to find your flavor of nature. Some people are beach people. Yes. I love trees. Yes. I have I had to drill that down. Like, I don't just love, you know, nature. I love, I want to be completely like engulfed. I want to be surrounded by trees. Mm. So not just a tree, yeah. <laughs> but like I want to be, I want to be in the forest. Yes. Like I want to be in there, right? right? And then um, lastly, you need to re-examine and kind of reclaim your, I'm sorry, not lastly, the, the last two, third, reclaim your time. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, especially clients that I was working with, would have vacation days, PTO, all this stuff that was accumulating mm -hmm. and they weren't taking and sometimes advantage they'll lose of it. it. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's like, okay, what is the time that I have that I can access? And for me, running my own business I took a sabbatical right. and then I started to build in sabbatical time within my um, my weeks and months. And then lastly, reclaiming my ambition. Like Ooh. what does my ambition 
mean? Like, what am I driving towards? What do I want? Mm -hmm. Like, what is the end goal of all of this striving? And have I actually already gotten the things that I told myself I was working for? So just checking in with my why and my reason. And so recalibrating revenue goals even, or like, okay, I want to land 20 clients this year. Well, do you really need 20? Right. Or right. will 10 do so that you can go on vacation and actually enjoy your life exactly. and your children and, you know, your youth mm-hmm. and all the things. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. I love that you gave us a framework. Frameworks are your thing. Framework can finder. I, listen, you are the framework finder. <laughs> do you know how you discovered that? Like you've given me, I am guilty now of frameworks. Like my life is frameworks, mm-hmm. but- do you know how you discovered that frameworks were really useful? Like that that was a thing that you were particularly skilled at identifying? Um, I think I always knew I had a way of like architecting things, like mm. the way I see things, the way I approach problems. I'm all, I think in like Venn diagrams or diagrams, like the sentence diagrams, like yes. I just think of trees and, and structures. And then when I did my Myers-Briggs, I'm an INTJ and that's mm. literally like what we're known for. It's right. like we're the architects. So mm. I'm the person who can map out the blueprint yeah. for whatever plan you want to create. And so I see patterns very easily. Um, I see themes very easily. And, you know, when you see a lot of things and read a lot of things and kind of hear a lot of stories, you start to notice, okay, these are the the common threads mm-hmm. that are running across all of our experiences. Right. Right. Especially when you're trying to figure out your own, you know, frameworks mm-hmm. like we do need to identify those. All right. My 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 next question is, why is it important for black thinkers to participate in conversations that extend beyond the conversations folks are having, you know, intercommunally? Mm-hmm. Like, why is it important for the, the discussions that we have, the stories that we're telling, the frameworks that we're building, the, you know, um, articles that we're writing? Why is it important, the brands that we're, you know, creating, why is it important for that to extend beyond just our own identities? Right, in our own communities. I, I feel as though the world really misses out when mm-hmm. our voices, our ideas, and our contributions are not um, not brought to the table. And that's, let me rephrase that, because oftentimes our contributions are brought no, to the yeah, table. Like they're at we the just, table. We just don't get credit that's right. <laughs> for them. Exactly. And so I'm really on a mission to eradicate this idea of the hidden figure, right? Mm-hmm. I really do believe that, um, especially as just people of color, our erasure is yes. is intentional, mm-hmm. right? So when we don't claim our ideas, our expertise, our brilliance, our contribution, right. other people are fine with that because it's like, okay, good. I'm <laughs> gonna me, take that myself. Let me take that yes. and let me you know, profit from it. And so it's an equity issue to me because I believe that so much of our value has mm-hmm. already been stolen and profited off of without our benefit. Mm -hmm. And so one thing we can all do is to really just like be more confident about sharing what we know and and really believing that there's value Mm -hmm. in what we bring to the table, not just because you studied it, not just because you took a class, not just because you got a degree, but like- It's my expertise. Yes, it's in you. You came to the table, Mm -hmm. you came to the earth with something unique and special that is of value. And don't let people 
tell you that because it's not packaged a certain way, it's not valuable. It's not genius. Right. Right. I love that. Um, shout out to Package Your Genius. Package Your Genius. Where we all started, where I started. <laughs> but okay. So I have, I have one closing question that I'd like to ask you. So this podcast is called Guilty Privilege. And my intention was to really highlight folks who have privilege that are using it to be impactful, right? And I wanted to do that because I think often people think of privilege as a reason to feel guilty or ashamed, or they're just not aware of their privilege. So my question to you is, what is one privilege that you have that you refuse to feel guilty about? Mm, privilege that I have that I refuse to feel guilty about. Ugh. The, pr oof, the privilege of time to and freedom yeah. and resources to think if I want to spend three hours sitting in my chair, drinking my coffee, looking out the window, thinking, writing in my journal. Yeah. I do not feel guilty about that because honestly, everyone in my life benefits when I do. Mm -hmm. um, but that is definitely a privilege that I know you know, people don't necessarily have. And I've worked really, really hard yeah. to um, to set my life up in a way that it affords me that ability. Um, and yeah. Thank you so much for joining me, friend. Thank you for having me. This was good. Me. First time me interviewing you. How did I do? <laughs> you did amazing. Okay, great. I'll take amazing. it. Amazing. Amazing from you goes a long way. Well, I mean, you know, you did <laughs> have an excellent teacher. I did. <laughs> <laughs>